Welcome to Spiritual Grit, the podcast where we talk real talk about spirituality through the lens of activism and social justice. What happens when activism and spiritual practices collide? What sparks of change call for the grit we need to create meaningful strides in social justice? I'm your host, Leslie Ann Hobayan, poet, priestess, activist, professor, hip-hop dancer, and badass mama. Join me as we dive in to learn more about our deepest selves so that we can be better ancestors to create a stellar world for our descendants. Grab your dancing shoes and let's get groovy with the grit right now. Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of Spiritual Grit. How are you on this fantastic day? I hope wherever you are, wherever you're listening, that you are feeling groovy and fan-freaking-tastic. And if you're not, you know what to do. Take a deep breath, pause, and exhale. And even in that moment, just create one small moment of fantasticness. I think that's the word of today. It just keeps coming out. Fantastic, fantastic, fantastic. (laughs) But it's all in remembering that you have the power to shift whatever experience you're having in this moment. So how are you today? Hopefully you are choosing fan-freaking-tastic. <laughs> ah, okay, so to open our episode, I've got Hafez back in my hands. We are going to flip the pages to get the poem that will kick us off. So in the chronicle, chronicle, in the oracle of poetry of Hafez, the great Sufi mystic poet, the pages have opened to this poem called The Chorus in the Eye. Your eye has a melody we want to hear. God rises from a tuned instrument. The sun and moon will gladly wear robes and sway as playful children when the peer directs light. Hafez, could you slip magic into sounds and then pour them into the earth's bruised ear? Hafez, could you whisper the luminous close to each wayfarer's body and let the whole world know about the beloved's true nature? Yes, dear ones, I can. Listen to one of my favorite words that the friend, too, is always saying to us. Mashk, mashk, which means sweetheart. The chorus in the heart needs to sing. Love is sovereign and ceaselessly moves from the tuned clay drum, chanting, humming all day long, mashuk, mashuk to everything. Oh, I'm getting goosebumps with this one. Oh, how appropriate. Um, I guess appropriate is not the, the right word. What divine timing as always. Yes. So the chorus in the eye to think about melodies from the eye, from vision is just synesthesia. (laughs) And I love that. But what really connects with me is this one line, the chorus in the heart needs to sing. 
And I've been thinking a lot about expression, a lot about expression from the soul, from the heart, and how a lot of us have repressed that, whether due to conditioning, you know, and how we were raised growing up, or even society and how our culture and our society dictates uh, how we're supposed to express ourselves. You know, it's, it's not too loud. It's um, moderate. It's uh, controlled uh, only a little bit at a time, because when you're too loud or you're too wild or you're too much, that often is met with you're overwhelming or you're, you're just, no, I can't, you're too much right now. This, you just got to tone it down. I can't, I can't handle you. Um, and that is, that's so funny because that's some, that's something that a lot of us empaths hear empaths and highly sensitive people. Um, and I consider myself an, an empath in the sense that, um, I am sensitive to other people's energies and emotions, but also, or, and also have a high sense of intuition. And so because of that, there is this call to express more outwardly than, um, permitted, we'll say by society. Uh, and so I, I, growing up, I kind of toned it down a little bit, you know, growing up in an Asian household, Asian immigrants at that, it was a very strict environment where I was taught. It wasn't explicitly taught. It was taught in the responses that I would get um, on how I was to be, I was to be quiet. I was to be, you know, made invisible, basically like, we'll call you when we need you type of thing. You perform for us. You, you know, get the high scores in school, practice piano so that your piano playing can be flawless. When we go to, um, you know, other people's houses, uh, for parties and, and Filipino gatherings and perform for us, you know, play this song on the piano, show everyone how impressive you are so that they can see how impressive we are. It's, you know, it's that kind of mentality. I will say that this is the narrative of a lot of um, immigrants from countries of color uh, not all, but a lot, but Asian in particular. And, um, I'm not faulting anyone because this is the conditioning that our parents grew up with and that's all they knew. And I will say that the generations prior to mine probably, well, we'll say they didn't have as much awareness as we do now. And so whatever was learned, whatever was passed down from generation to generation was just repeated, a cycle repeated until there is some kind of awareness that breaks the cycle. Um, and so I'm not faulting my parents for, you know, the environment that I grew up in. That's just how they knew to parent based on how they were raised. Um, and then adding that layer of immigrating, of, of being in an entirely new country and 
trying to raise a kid in a country whose customs and and traditions and cultures you're not a hundred percent familiar with and it's totally different from how you grew up so you're trying to create um a new way of parenting on the fly when you really don't know what that means i mean parenting already in and of itself is is on the fly you don't know what you're doing like you could have your one kid and, and say all right you know this is how i'm gonna parent or this is how i'm not gonna parent or you know i know how i was raised so i'm not gonna do that and um that's a whole nother episode but you would think with the raising of a second child you know oh i got this parenting thing down i you know parented one kid uh you think you got it no because the the dynamic of two is totally different and so there is continual learning and growing as a parent um there's no that's why there's no owner's manual (laughs) but um but anyway so you know to say that i was raised in an environment where i was not permitted to express my full self um it didn't feel safe for me to express myself because when i did then i was met with results that were not exactly encouraging um i can't remember exactly what those consequences were what those reactions were um but i will say that they were negative because one i don't remember a lot of my childhood and um, and that's a sign of some, some kind of childhood trauma. Um, and when I say trauma, it doesn't necessarily mean have to be like physical abuse. It could be neglect. It could be, you know, just this environment of suppression of saying, Hey, you have to be this way and not the way that you are called to be. Um, so yes, yeah, so I don't have a lot of memories, but I do know just be based on how I behave through high school and college and and after um, that I was raised in an environment that did not appreciate who I am, you know, at my very core, at my essence and who I was being. And so I know that I changed, not changed myself, but I shrank myself. You know, I, I, whatever creativity I had, I kept it secret. Um, I, I only shared it with a few people if I even shared it. Uh, I remember in high school and I, it's so funny because I think that, um, this is typical of, of high school kids in general, but there's a level of privacy, right? That, that we all want when we are emerging into our young adulthood, um, when we are transitioning from child to tween the in-between stage to to teenager and then to young adult and so when I was in high school I did a lot of journaling a lot of private journaling and you know and that and that seemed normal to me um but looking back on it I know that I wrote a lot of stories and and poems even from the beginning um because I wanted to express myself but I couldn't share it with anybody couldn't show it to anybody um in high school I did let's say quote unquote come out a little bit <laughs> as a creative writer uh I had a freshman freshman year I had an English teacher who gave us a creative writing assignment and um <laughs> and the writing and I'll I'll never forget this this is sort of how I got my 
I don't want to say my start in writing, but yeah, that's how I got into creative writing was, uh, the prompt was to write an essay about the life of an inanimate object, you know, from the time that it's born, this inanimate object until, you know, the time it, it quote unquote dies. And so I wrote this, um, this essay, or we'll say story because it was a creation, uh, imagination that I, I, um, created with and um it was the life of a potato <laughs> you know i went from it being quote unquote born out of the earth when it's being harvested and um and the the journey it makes to become a lace potato chip <laughs> and my english teacher was so excited and impressed and fascinated she was just like so excited that she told my parents she made me read it in front of the class and share it with the class i mean she was like oh my god this is amazing blah 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 and so that was my first encouragement to create anything to be creative and so when i got that response i got really excited i was like wow i can write this stuff and share it with people and people like it i wow like i can't believe that and so um so then i started slowly dabbling in creative writing, writing poems that were intentionally vague because it was about my emotions. It was about like a crush that I had or, you know, the frustration or the depression that I had about being, living in such a strict household of not being able to do anything that my friends were doing, um, not being able to socialize, not just, there was a whole lot of stuff I wasn't able to do. Um, and, and so I needed an outlet and, um, and so that's, you know, I, I turned to creative writing and then, you know, the rest is history. I went to college and went crazy because <laughs> I lived in such a, an oppressive household. <laughs> um, you know, lots of heavy drinking and just lots of partying, but also, you know, lots of studying. I, I still had that work ethic installed in me, but, you know, I really got to, uh, explore who I was and got the nerve to tell my parents that I wasn't going to be a doctor, which is huge, right? In, uh, in an Asian family, especially, especially when you come from a family of healthcare professionals <laughs> and, um, and they didn't take too well to the fact that I was going to be an English major. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, whatever I was like, no, this is it. This is me. This is the decision I have to live with for the rest of my life. And so that was the first, um, I guess, step into truly being me in front of them. Um, but still I, you know, with society, it was like, well, what are you going to do with an English major? You know, poetry doesn't pay. You got to find a real job, all these messages, all these messages. And so I'm thinking about how my creativity, but also not so much my creativity as far as like poems I was writing, because I was still writing poems. I even went to graduate school for creative writing, which takes some, some guts in a capitalist society when people look at you sideways and they're like, really, you're getting a master's degree in what? And you're going to do what with it? Um, and so it's, it's so challenging to try to pursue any kind of career in the arts because a capitalist society doesn't take it seriously. Meanwhile, when there's times of trouble 
culturally, collectively, we all turn to the arts. You know, when when pandemic first started, early days of pandemic, people turned to poetry because they felt lost. They didn't know what else to do. We were stuck in our homes, not knowing whether we were going to live or die. And people turned to poetry, you know, and it's just so fascinating for me to observe that, you know, our humanity thrives on the creative arts, the performing arts, the, you know, expressive arts of any kind. And yet we create a system that suppresses that, that says, no, you can't do that and make money to survive. You can't do that. Um, It doesn't have value, quote unquote value. And so my creativity was very much um, regimented, we'll say, you know, so I went to school for creative writing. Yeah, I have, I still have creativity, but there were certain ways of creating um, that felt acceptable, quote unquote, acceptable. And as a woman of color, of course you want, I want to be accepted. And so I followed the the so-called rules of the predominantly white um, MFA program. Um, And of course, when I say rules, it's not there weren't any, it wasn't like a, a list of here are 10 rules on how to write a poem. No, it was more about how are white folks gaining quote unquote success with writing poetry? How are they getting published? You know, let's follow those rules. Let's not express our true voice. And so that's sort of how I lived. That's how I navigated. That's how I was able well, I don't know if I was able, but that's how I performed being a poet. Um, and then, you know, after graduate school, I, you know, became a professor and that was the, the sort of respectable (laughs) job, right. For an English major, um, for a creative writing master's creative and creative writing holder. Uh, and, and so, yeah, it was following this path, this, these boxes. I was checking off these boxes, but I was also putting myself in a box. And so I'm, I'm coming back to the Hafez poem and thinking about this chorus in the heart needs to sing. The chorus in the heart needs to sing. Love is sovereign and ceaselessly moves from tuned the, from the tuned clay drum. The chorus in the heart needs to sing. And I feel that when you measure out your expression, when you do it a certain way that is not in alignment with who you are and who you're being, that chorus in the heart isn't let out. It doesn't, it doesn't sing. I mean, maybe it just goes, uh, you know, it just makes a tone, (laughs) but it's not singing. And eventually that chorus is gonna, the energy of that chorus of the heart builds up pressure right? And it wants to get out. It wants to get out in some way. And if we don't provide an outlet for that, then what happens? Either it turns into anger and explodes out into people, or you start to feel like chest pains, you know, that, that suppression shows up in your body. And so what I've been doing is I've been sort of metering it out, you know, like here's a little bit here. Here's a little bit there, a little bit here, a little bit there. It feels good. Yeah. But it feels too much to let it all out at once. Yeah. It feels too 
overwhelming. And that feeling is based on nothing, actually, if, if I'm being honest, if we're taking a look at it, that feeling of being too much and too much according to whom, right? It is according to society. Now, if I were to totally let loose and release, is it really too much? Or is it more the people around me can't handle it? They can't handle the radiance because they haven't experienced it before. It's like their eyes need to adjust. It's like when you are in a dark room and you just turn on the light, your eyes are startled by that sudden shift, right? And then you squint a little bit and then eventually your eyes adjust and then you can open your eyes fully to the light in that room. And so I think what happens is that when people say that you're too much in your beingness, in your expression of you and your creativity, it's because they're not willing to allow their eyes to adjust. They're so used to being in a dark room that turning on the light feels scary. Like my eyes will burn out because the light is too bright. But meanwhile, if you just squinted a little bit, right? And then allowed your eyes to adjust to the brightness, eventually you'd be able to open them and see how magnificent that light is. And so in speaking of myself as the light, I don't think I'm too much. <laughs> I think it's the people around me that just need to give me a chance to or give themselves a chance to adjust to the brightness. I mean, that's how I see it. Um, but what it has gone on up until this point is this, let's put a shade on that lamp. Let's dim that light a little bit so that we can handle it. But no, 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 that's not why I was put on this planet. That's not why I'm here in this lifetime to dim my light. It is for me to let the chorus of my heart out to sing. Yeah. So what do we do about that? Well, we start with self-worth. We start taking a look at the stories that we've received about our worth because in reality, our worth is inherent. You were born worthy. That's it. Nothing else. I mean, just because you're here in this body that you possess, not possess, this body that you embody, you are worthy of everything. You are worthy to be the light, to, to let your light shine and be, I mean, that's, that's basically how I, the best way I could say it. I mean, it's just, you know, I think about how as a kid growing up, it, up until probably recently, um, maybe the last five years, up until that point, like, I wasn't sure of my worthiness. I was like, what do I have to do to prove that I'm worthy? What do I have to do to prove that people are with me because I'm worthy of their friendship or whatever it is. And I did a lot of inner work to see the root of that thinking. And 
look at it and say, hey, you know what? This is not the truth. This is not why I'm here to earn worthiness. No, it's about me understanding that I'm already worthy, understanding that I have these gifts to share with the world. And that gift is shared by how brightly I shine. And so what's there to discuss? (laughs) I mean, it's easier said than done, right? A lot of us deal with this thinking that we're not worthy and that because of that, we need to dim our light first in order for people to get to know us, to, to show us that um, we are worthy of their presence, of their relationship with us. And if we shine too brightly, then they run away because they're like, no, 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 you're too much. You're, I can't, I can't handle you, you know? Um, but that's, that's not how it works. You know, we're not here to work towards earning anything from other people. We are here to be who we are at our essence and to share the gift of us with others. And when we share the gift of us with others, we're not going to be everyone's cup of tea. I'll tell you that much. Like, I already know there are people here who don't like me. Not here listening, because, I mean, if they're listening (laughs) and they don't like me, well, there's something in them that's curious enough to to listen to what I have to offer. Um, But I know that I am not here to please everybody because if we were here to please everybody that would make for a very boring experience because you know we are spirit souls having a human experience and to have interesting human experiences there needs to be contrast because if we were just you know like yes to death for everyone you ask for something yes 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 you know we'd be my friend yes you know then you're like wait how do I grow? How do I know that I'm evolving unless there's contrast? And so I know who my people are. Do you know who your people are? Take some time to tune into your beingness. Take some time to get to know who you are truly at the deepest core, deepest essence, and then see if you can create some self-trust to create a sense of safety in your body in yourself and share your gifts just a little bit at a time you know just sort of like a little beacon a little beacon signal from the lighthouse and see who comes people aren't gonna find you if you are hiding your light under a lampshade And when I say people, I mean your people, the people you are meant to connect with. How can they find you if you don't send out a beacon? You need to creep very slowly into your heart song and to start to share that, to start to sing it out. You know, I, um, I've been taking a couple of, 
sessions, we'll say, for um, vocal expression. We're not going to say singing because it's not really singing. I mean, it is singing, but I haven't done any actual singing yet. I've had two sessions. And uh, the whole idea is to tap into the core of yourself through breath, to feel how breath moves through your body, your entire body, not just the lungs, but how it moves through the arms and the legs. Um, And then to make a sound with that breath. And that sound originates from one of the chakras. And what is that like? And so I've been playing around with making sounds with my body and having those sounds originate from, you know, the root chakra, the heart center, the solar plexus, you know, the throat, just playing around and exploring the body's energy centers and seeing where it feels open, where it feels closed, and to notice, to gather that information and to notice where the areas are closed is possibly where my true heart song is hiding, (laughs) you know, because of years of suppression. And so I invite you to investigate your heart song, your expression of who you are being, of who you are at your very core. And that can look like anything. That can look like just journaling and emptying out everything that's in your mind about your experience for the day. You know, some, when I was in high school, some, I tried, um, the the diary keeping where I would, and my, my grandma, my dad's mom, um, when I was, when I was in elementary school, she would keep a little journal for me. And it was the funniest thing because every day she'd write a little something and it was only like maybe two or three sentences. She'd write the date. She'd write like what I had for breakfast, lunch, and dinner. And then she would write like my behavior. (laughs) So funny. And she wrote it in the first person. So she was writing it on my behalf. She'd be like, today, eight eggs, had peanut butter jelly for lunch and adobo for dinner. I was not well behaved today because I couldn't get this thing that I wanted or whatever it is. (laughs) And so, um, so in high school, I did that. Um, I tried that, you know, journaling my, not so much what happened that day, but journaling my experience of the day. And so I invite you to try that too, maybe for like two weeks or three weeks, write every day, just a little bit about your experience of the day so that you can see who you are being in that day. Sometimes what we have in our head hides the whole experience, you know, because sometimes we only see or remember whatever's at the forefront of our mind, but there's a lot, our mind is very deep, a lot of depths to the, to the mind. And when you write, you can access those depths a little bit more directly. And so when you journal, you can see your whole day's experience. And when you read that back, look at it and, and ask yourself, okay, where was I being myself? Where was I being my true self in that day? Did I show people who I was or did I keep it to myself? And so maybe start that and try to track these moments where you can be yourself a little bit more. 
you know, let's say that you are um, in a coffee shop and you, you know, start talking little chit chat with the cashier or whatever. Are you truly chit chatting with them from who you are or are you just making nice, polite conversation? I know for me, I chat with everybody, you know, <laughs> and that's me, you know, but there are some people who are just like, I'll just place my order and walk away. <laughs> so um, just take note as you move through your day over the coming weeks uh, by journaling. I mean, taking a note as it's happening is is good too, but looking back on the day, you know, journaling at night and just looking and reflecting on what experiences you had during the day is a really effective way to start seeing how you can create from your heart center, how you can start to release the song, that chorus of the heart that needs to sing. And when that happens, you're going to be sharing your true gift with the world, which is what we need, actually. You know, people are like, oh, why am I going to share myself? No one's going to want to hear what I have to share. No one's going to want anything that I say. And that isn't true because there are a billion some odd people on this planet. And with the gift of the Internet, we're allowed. I mean, we can reach so many more people. And so you don't know who you will affect. You don't know who will resonate, who will connect with what you have to offer. You know, when you share something, there is undoubtedly someone who needs to receive it. And it's not up to you to find out who that is. I mean, as much as it's like so satisfactory, um, just share your gift and trust that those who need to receive your gifts are actually receiving them and benefiting them and growing in love and evolving into their highest selves. And so friends, that is what I'm offering you today. So I am going to close our practice with another poem by Hafez. Now, from all the things that I talked about in this episode, if you are curious about exploring this further, send me an email because I got so many prompts, so many ways of tapping in, so many ways of shedding the, the conditioning of really connecting with your deepest, truest creative expression of you um, in sharing your gifts. So send me an email and, and we'll talk because this is the stuff that I love. Uh, okay, so Hafez, I'm gonna turn to you again to choose a poem to close this um, episode. And this is called, It is Unanimous. It is unanimous where I come from. Everyone agrees on one thing. It's no fun when God is not near. All are hunters. The wise man learns the friend's weaknesses and sets a clever trap. Listen, the beloved has agreed to play a game called love. Our sun sat in the sky way before this earth was born, waiting to caress a billion faces. Hafez encourages all art, for at its height it brings us light near to us. The wise man learns what draws God near. It is the beauty of compassion in your heart.
Hmm, how appropriate is that one based on this episode topic? I love it. All right, my friends. So go forth, be yourselves, your full, true expression of yourselves, even if it's just a little bit at a time. Um, and we'll talk next week. Until next time, the divine light in me bows to the divine light in you. Namaste. If you're feeling like fighting the good fight is bringing you down and hope is starting to fade, grab my free seven-day meditative challenge, Spark Joy in Chaos, by signing up for my newsletter, which will be more light to your inbox. Go to suryagiyan.com slash subscribe. Oh,